Hi, I'm Riley Bradford. I'm Tate Becker. And I'm Tyler Chavez. And this is Spoilers Only Please, the only podcast brought to you by Elon Film Students. <laughs> by Elon Film Students for no one. No one asked No for one this. in particular. No one wanted to hear our opinions. That's why we're saying them into a microphone already. This is a special week because it's our first episode, and it's the only episode where we're going to talk about a bunch of movies. That's right. It's our Oscars pregame. And, uh, Oscars episode, you know, what, three days? Two days before yeah, the Oscars? Couple days. Normally our episodes are going to consist of just one movie. We're just going to try to go to our local movie theater and see a movie. It's going to be pretty random but chances are if there's like a big blockbuster we'll just go yeah. with that um like our we were planning on doing black panther but then kind of procrastinated getting this episode recorded and We've, decided uh, to go with the oscars we as had a good this, starter we had this idea back in december because i messaged tate about after last jedi and i was like i have so many ideas about last jedi and tate's like why don't we just do a movie podcast and i'm like that's a great idea and three months later <laughs> Almost, we finally got around to do it. It is happening at 11 p.m. in the basement of our communication school. On a Thursday night. On a Thursday night. Let's get into it. Yeah, so today we're just going to kind of go over the Best Picture nominees and uh, some of the other things they're nominated for, acting or screenwriting or whatever. Uh, Might go over some of just the Oscars as a show, uh, what we think... We're going to expect from Jimmy Kimmel as the host two years in a row and maybe even delve into a little bit of the political world with what's been going on. Yeah, a lot's been going on. Yeah, with uh, it's gotten real. Meet the Me Too movement in Hollywood and that'll probably show a pretty big presence at the show this year. So so let's yeah. just discuss the movies, I guess. Yeah. yeah. This, is a, podcast, right? this yeah. is a movie podcast, right? Yeah. So I've got, right. The, I've got the list here. Um we can just start with Call Me By Your Name. Call Me By Your Name, which is still something. I didn't get why they did. That whole, like, Call Me By Your Name, I'll call... Elio, Elio, Elio. Yeah. Oh, that... Ooh. At the very end when he did that, I was like, that was a little too close I've to the microphone. I've got a lot of thoughts about this. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I just still don't understand why they had to call each other by their own name. I've never, I don't know if it was like It's a, intimate. It's intimate. It's intimate, but it's also just kind of weird. Yeah. It's, a, it's a weird movie. And for those of you who don't really know much about it, I know it's based off of a novel mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, written by Andre Asiman. That's probably wrong. Uh, let me look at it. Uh, Asiman. Yeah, yeah Andre, Andre Asiman. And uh, the screenplay was adapted by James Ivory. Uh, the director is Luca Guadagnino. I don't know. I don't, I don't it's know. Some Italian Guadino. names. The movie is based Guadino. in 1980s Italy as a romance blossoms between a 17-year-old student and the older man hired at his father's re- as his father's research assistant. It was uh, Arnie Hammer. Army Hammer. Army Hammer. Fun fact. Uh, Army. He's the son of the... CEO of Arm and Hammer. No, and that he is isn't. yes, and that is why his name is Arm Hammer. Hammer. I also so have some fun facts about Arm Hammer. One, his mother refuses to see Call Me by Your Name. Oh, that sucks. Because of the whole gay thing. Oh, wow. and oh that's horrible. That's on scary. a lighter note, viewers, um, Arm Hammer had to have parts of his body digitally removed because of I short heard shorts. about that short shorts. A little got a little dangler. Oh out there, yeah, so. those those were extremely short yeah uh, i i have those that same shorts I'm actually yeah i have right um now. i have like two pairs of shorts 
and I was wearing one of them the other day, and I was like, oh, wow, I really yeah. look like Army Hammer shorts. Just going to have to record this whole day and digitally yeah. take that I don't know uh, what they were thinking uh, with saying that Army Hammer could look like a 24-year-old grad student. That man is built. <laughs> that man is built. He does not look 24. Also, what a name, Army Hammer. He sounds like a comic book character. Yeah, he's, he's, he's 31 years old. He's 30, 31. He is 31 years old. All right. He looks it. That's... So about the movie best itself. Part, about the movie. Everyone, best part, worst part. Let's just start with that. What's favorite best? favorite oh. thing in the movie? What was the thing that you wish they just or not got rid of? <laughs> Don't worry, we can bleep. Um, I think my best thing about the movie is that obviously this movie is very big because it is a gay romance film, mm -hmm. which is obviously a huge deal. The fact that it's gotten so much traction, but. It doesn't treat the movie as just, like, a gay romance film. It treats it as a romance film, which is a big deal because as forward and progressive we've gotten as, as in society, I think there's still this idea of, like, when you're writing a gay story, it has to be a gay story. Mm -hmm. It can't just be mm -hmm. a story with gay people in it. I thought it... I agree with you that it did a really great job normalizing it and... I think I'll elaborate on that when I say my that least favorite part. That didn't. That didn't. It didn't seem like the main. It, it wasn't yeah. the main point of the movie. That yeah. was my favorite thing. I think was not just that, but it was about first heartbreak, and yes. I think it was mm -hmm. the best movie to capture that feeling because I think whether you watched it, whether you're gay, straight, bi, whatever, you watched it and you said, "I felt like that." It's that scene at the end. I was in the same Timothee Chalamet yeah. staring into the fire crying. I feel like every film podcast has probably dissected that over and over yeah. again. But it's worth dissecting with Sufjan Stevens' visions of Gideon playing in the background. I mean, I watched that like once a week. Yeah, it was yeah. very just, it felt very real, the fact that they just, and I was thinking about when they were shooting that and how they just had to have Timothy just sit there for mm -hmm. minutes and minutes with basically nothing. But it was so, it was a really good way, I think, to end a movie like that. Yes. Yeah. Tate, your favorite part. My, my favorite part, um, well, it kind of, I guess, incorporates that idea of, like, first heartbreak. But it also, like, it says it's based during 1980s, but it kind of felt timeless almost. Like, mm. it could have been based at any, any point in time. So, you know, I feel like adults could relate to that. Um, and teenagers now can relate to it. I just think that it was... I, I think that it just told a very relatable story to a wide audience. Um, I, I don't know. I haven't really thought a lot like about this movie because I just feel like there's so much to think about, and it's mm -hmm. so. And I feel like um, I, I know it's a novel, and I haven't read it. It's part of a. It's part of like a trilogy. Oh, it's it going to be part of a trilogy. Yeah, the novel so, is originally just a standalone novel. Yeah, so make more movies, it's interesting apparently. because it's a part of this series, but each one is like its own independent story. Okay. And they've talked about basically exploring this universe. And the second one is actually going to fix what I think is the worst part of the movie. So Which I is a great that. transition. Well, I haven't that. even said my favorite part. Oh, that's oh, true. What's your favorite part? My favorite part of the movie, and I, I have to admit, I have my computer here. I am pulling up quotes because I do not have them memorized. Is Michael Stahlberg, who I will talk about endlessly on this podcast, gives a speech to his son towards the end of the oh, film. Oh, I wanted to bring The monologue at the end of the film. And my favorite quote, and I have written this all over my room. We rip out so much of ourselves to be cured of things faster that we should, than we should, that we go bankrupt by the age of 30 and have less to offer each time we start with someone new. 
but to feel nothing so as to feel anything, so as not to feel anything. What a waste. That get line some, alone some snaps. makes me believe this film should win Best Screenplay. And the thing about that monologue is that he basically, at least from what I was picking up, was coming out to his son. Well, seen. well, 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 well. I first thought that, but I have seen the movie like five times. <laughs> um, and I, what I think, and I think what I've seen in interviews, is it's not him coming out to his son, but it's him admitting to his son that he never had a relationship with his, the son's mother as rich as Elio had with Oliver. That he never had, never got to taste that. Taste is an odd word with like yeah, some taste, of the images. Yeah, yeah. 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 That film. Yeah. The that film. But um, no, that he never really got a sense of that. And I think that's why he asked, does mom know? Is not he's saying, are you, does mom know that you're gay? He's saying, does, I thought mom, it was that, yeah. does mom know that you've never felt this way? And he says, I think so. And you see that throughout the film. You see like a distance between the professor and his wife. Mm-hmm. And I can also go on my worst, what I thought was the worst thing of the movie, which interesting tied in. You said it was timeless. You said it was a gay romance was, without yeah. being a gay romance. My least favorite part of the movie was the fact that it's set in the 1980s and it did not address the AIDS crisis. Well, this was in Italy. It, the, the AIDS crisis was happening in Italy yeah. as well. And the, like, this is the heart of the AIDS crisis yeah. around the world. And we're hearing nothing of that. But in the sequel, I've been promised... Personally, by the director. Right, no, Riley no. Bradford has a personal connection with Luca Guidi. Luki, whatever you his call name. Luki. Um, no, he has said that the film will be addressing Elio growing up in the AIDS crisis and dealing right. with that. Which, which is interesting because I know there was uh, another movie. It was, I think, it was a French movie. I think it was called. It was uh, something like Beats Per Minute. Which was all, I may have gotten that wrong, but it was all about, it took place during the age crisis and it was all about uh, the LGBT community, like Mm -hmm. in their protests in France. And I didn't see it, um, but I saw previews of it. So it's interesting how we have two movies of very similar themes. Yeah. Um, And just a few years ago, Dallas Buyers Club. Yes. That just came on Netflix. I just watched it for the first time a couple weeks ago. Is it really on Netflix? It's like heartbreaking. You've got so good. Milk before that, beginners True. hints towards it. Um, when we rise was an ABC special. Full disclosure: LGBT films are my specialty. And Way back in the nineties, my favorite with, thing um, to talk about. Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Yep, absolutely. Um, a normal heart. It's becoming something I think that's become less taboo to talk about. So we're finally making movies about it, and it's important. Mm-hmm. But it's also important. I'm glad that they were able to tell the story they did. Yeah. I just yeah. wish they had not ignored such a And again, we, I don't think any of us have read the book. No. So I don't know if I sh- that's addressed I, I in the book I probably will. I'll get around to it yeah. one day. Anyway, right. worst part worst for part. you is that. Uh, for me, uh, not really a movie thing. I just, uh, the movie theater close to Elon did, was not showing Call Me By Your Name for the longest time. And I got mm-hmm. so frustrated, I just watched it online. Because uh, I wasn't going to wait for the pre-order yeah. uh, to come out on uh, iTunes. And it was a little bit blurry, and just the whole movie. So it I was just you. I was just frustrated the whole time, just because it wasn't HD. Um, but the actual movie, I don't know. Um, it's more of like, I don't know. I, I, I just think it was, that's the most frustrating thing for me. But mm-hmm. I, th- I think the movie was, I, I'll probably have to watch it in another yeah. time to be able to actually like yeah. dissect what to I liked find, and didn't. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I think my least favorite part, and I'm going to compare it to a second 
for a second to last year's Best Picture winner, Moonlight, in that it's very interesting because this is the second year in a row where we've had a Best Picture nominee, which is about a uh, gay relationship. But they're handled in two very different ways. And Call Me By Your Name, it's a lot more of like a very clean, very picturesque romance. No one objects to it in any way. Like, aside from the two characters, like, own relationship issues, like, no one ever says, like, you two can't be together. And the weirdest thing is that both Elio, both characters, have, like, a separate relationship with a female character, mm -hmm. and both women are just like, oh, okay. And, like, there's no consequences, even though both basically get used you do That's you do wonder point. about the feminist feminist commentary on the film yeah because it definitely is about it's idolizing sort of a utopia but also antiquity in that like in greek times this would happen this uh, an older man 24 would take on like an 18 year old as a lover and still have a woman in his life. Yeah. And it was alluding to that with all the sculptures and with all the fact that they're studying antiquity. And it's almost beating mm -hmm. you over the head with it. But at the same time, there's a reason we left that in the past, and it's because it was a little disrespectful to women. Yeah. Not and, to... And because both, like, both female characters, like, they don't serve, like, a plot or a mm. purpose much. They both just kind of get tossed aside and just like, oh, okay. But that was kind of something I could look past because it just, the movie still felt so real and yeah. gripped. Yeah. I, I think that the acting in this movie was superb. Yeah, and superb. Timothee, last name, uh, definitely man. deserves the nomination. What is and it, like, it'd be 22? cool to see him win, but I'm, we haven't I'm talked about the other. Movie. We've got we've got more movies to talk about. So. Eight nominees. Yeah. Um. So the next one is Darkest Hour. Who I know we I've seen all the nominees. Which I have Darkest, not seen Darkest Hour. And in full confession, I do not know what Darkest Hour is about. Okay. At least know what it's I, about. I'll, I'll cover it. Yeah. Uh, real quick. So basically, Darkest Hour is the other half of Dunkirk. Yeah, uh, that's really Dunkirk what it is. Dunkirk is what happens in Dunkirk, like the actual place, and Darkest Hour is about all the talking that oh, happened. Oh, this is the Gary Oldman. Yes, the okay. Gary Oldman the Winston Gary Oldman Churchill piece. movie. So um, honestly, the movie itself, I thought, was pretty decent. Yeah. The performance was like way better than the 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 like like what movie was actually itself. delivered. From what I've yeah. heard of it, it sounds like a vehicle. Yeah. It sounds yeah. definitely like a vehicle which piece I, to carry all. I think it's interesting because that and three billboards, which so far in all the other award shows have been really pick not sweeping per se, but really carrying Shape the awards. Of water. Shape of Water's been sweet. Yeah. Shape of Water. Shape of Water's gone a lot, sweet but in terms of individual performances, uh, both a Dunkirk. Or not Dunkirk. Both Darkest Hour and Three Billboards have just been racking up the awards. So mm -hmm. it's interesting that we have two movies that are carried more in performances than what's actually like than what's around true. it. True. But I'll I have a lot to say about Three. Yeah, Billboards. I also have a lot yeah, on Three I, Billboards I, I, and yeah. to contest you but, a little bit. But, but so we're not Darkest into that. Hour, as the singular singular Darkest Hour expert here, <laughs> uh, I I honestly it was good. Uh, it's not my pick for best picture. Uh, Gary Oldman definitely deserves a nomination, and like the Golden Globe was, was nice. was nice. Uh, I I know that there's been stuff said about him recently about stuff with his yeah, ex-wife. Yeah, there's and, been like, some domestic abuse. So there's a little abuse. speculation because of the, you know the Oscars is very about respecting people, and I don't know if that's going to come into play in terms of his win if that happens. Um, but 
he's been around for a long time. He's been a great character actor, and I think he's had a couple nominations. Um, and I just, I, I think it was a very good movie. Um, so the, the movie, yes, is about uh, Winston Churchill making the negotiations with Adolf Hitler. Um, and apparently, Tyler mentioned this to me yesterday, that Gary Oldman wants to make another movie as Winston yeah, Churchill. So this is interesting because typically when you see an, an Oscar nominated movie, it's there's typically it's never a any sequels. Alone. It's a yeah. standalone. But Gary Oldman has Lord of the Rings, has gone Yeah, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> that was supposed to be. But Gary Oldman has come out and said that he would have loved to become Winston Churchill again. Uh, whether it's on film or in on stage, on stage. And that'd be cool. He said, "Stage would be interesting." I could see, I could see this movie as a play. He says he wants to explore the conference that was held between uh, Roosevelt, Stalin, and Churchill, where they were just kind of going over Allied plans, which mm -hmm. I think would be very interesting. I would enjoy that. I'm very wary of sequels, and I'm very yeah. wary of letting actors make decisions. Yeah, but but uh, he did. I. His his role um, is very. It was very good. Um, the the acting overall in this movie was pretty good. Uh, Lily James is in it. She was also a Baby Driver. Um, Two very different the movies. The girl girl who played Cinderella, I think I don't remember, but she. Uh, yeah, it's it's just interesting to see. Like it was a very educational movie. Yeah. I, yeah. I have a, I have an appreciate like, like the, the post, post. The post uh, was very educational for me because I was like I had heard about the Pentagon Papers but then I was like oh like this is all the stuff that happened and it's never been told before or yeah whatever, but I've just never read it yeah. in a history book so but yes uh, I think that's really all we have to say about Darkest Hour for sure um, I'm looking forward to the best actor category because I think there's a lot of it's, it's pretty stacked there. this year it's, it's, a lot it's of fantastic heads. and my boy Timothee is going to sweep <laughs> Man, um, we, will, we will see on Sunday so, so let's go to the more violent side yes, yeah uh, the other side the other side of, Dunkirk. of the English channel right is English channel yeah. Yeah. I yeah. failed geography that's Dunkirk. why I'm a film major <laughs> Dunkirk starring Harry Styles of One Direction that's who actually that is the one thing about who this actually movie. did like you know, for the one thing, he auditioned for this film. Like, he didn't mm -hmm. just, like... And Christopher Nolan yeah. didn't actually know who Harry Styles was. Which is believable. Casting. But I'm going to be the contrarian of the group, as always. I am not a huge Nolan fan. Hey, um, I'm not, like, the biggest Dark Knight series fan. Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't think I haven't like... watched those films in years. I enjoy I, I, I thoroughly enjoy the Dark Knight. I think Christopher Nolan is very overrated as a I'm, a, I'm a big big superhero movie guy big not really like a comic reader but yeah. big into comics no, and those, those movies kind of didn't feel like batman you know which what I, I mean th i think like, that's what they were trying to do yeah make it put it in the real world yeah they, they did a great job of that but because yeah. like anyway, we're not talking about Batman. yeah, yeah. they were we're not talking about batman. christopher anyway, nolan dunkirk that's dunkirk, a different episode. I, dunkirk okay he nolaned it he did he did nolan yeah. it told it out of order and i was like confused the whole time which is confused what i was think he was going for yeah i think what he was trying to capture was the chaos of war which I, he did in it was a, good that was in a great i love this that and i love subverting story genre but this one like darkest darkest hour even though i haven't seen it and like the post feels a little baity to me a little it, up. yeah a little bit done history yeah. movies always do though history movies always do and i know this one especially war world war Two movies yeah which I'm not a big like war movie guy, just because I felt like a lot of them 
None of them ever grabbed me, but I saw Saving Dunkirk. Saving Private Ryan didn't grab you. I haven't seen Saving, Saving Private, Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan, I feel like we should have stopped telling World War II movies after that. I feel but, like we've almost overdone the genre. Wait, just genre. wait, because the Sicario 2 director has signed on for a Call of Duty movie. Oh, oh boy. So, so, that uh, boat sails get, uh, like 20 Activision, years too let's late. let's get it going. And a let the record show Riley just jumped out of the window of this basement. <laughs> he wants, he wants, the director wants um, Tom Hardy and, oh, what's it, Captain Kirk. Oh, my God. Um, oh, Chris Pine. Yeah. Chris Pine. I was thinking that Pine, He wants him on guess, screen. Trevor. Guess what kind of tree head? Yeah. What tree? It's Chris Pine. But, no, yeah, but anyway, I, I loved Dunkirk. For someone who doesn't like war weird, movies. Though. Because wasn't it like a February movie? It was it a was no, a, it was a summer movie. Summer movie. It was summer, a summer, summer, summer. It was a summer still, blockbuster. Still a lot of time for an Oscar, and which it's, is it's no one's first directing nomination. That I saw that and I was shocked because I was like, Christopher Nolan seems so establishment, but I guess mm-hmm. he told he, how frustrated it was. How fr- he's always wanted to make Dunkirk a movie. Mm. That's been his passion project for years, and he he's made like so many great films, yeah. like Memento and Prestige. I love those movies. Mm. They're so smart. And uh, I just, I think that the writing behind a lot of his stuff is great, and the directing is really good too, but this is his first nomination, and I, I don't yeah, really and know. And I think it's that sentence right there that explains why it's his first nomination, because mm-hmm. I think yeah. writing has you always taken the that. front yeah. seat, and we go, the directing was good as well, which the directing was never the main thing until I think which Dunkirk. Which is funny, because Dunkirk is a movie with very little dialogue. Very, mm-hmm. And you said starring Harry Styles, and I was going to say... This movie doesn't necessarily star anybody. Yeah. Kenneth, Kenneth Which Branagh is the other thing, starring also a, a Conja Club guy from Force Awakens, which uh, yeah, really true. threw me off because I saw that with my friend and I was like, is, is, isn't that Conja Club guy? <laughs> but like, it I just mean, threw movie, me off. But no movie, one steals this movie. Which There's is no, like nobody that, that blows it out of the water. Yeah. And, like no one got a nomination. I mean, people do get blown sense. out of the water, but that's because they're in war mm-hmm. in the English Channel. But I, I really enjoyed it because of really what this film does of sound mixing how even though there's very little dialogue there's this violin that goes through i think like almost the entire movie it's constantly like a, no, it's clock ticking too it's there's so a, the whole movie so timed to me and, and that, it made me very that's stressed that's a category out. it should win is the yes. sound category because yeah. typically war movies like always go for stuff like that mm-hmm. but this one not just because it's a war movie but because it has a purpose and i remember when gravity came out people were like Oh, I held my b- breath during gravity. I never did that, but during this, I held my breath the whole time. It was just so. I really enjoyed it. It was. I think it's the Oscar movie that it's really good for a general audience to see because they're really going to yeah, get into it. Sure. Okay, right, I think um, we need to get to one of my yeah, other personal favorites. We we haven't been doing the favorite, not favorite thing, but I think Call Me by Your Name that was important. But Darkest Hour, we hadn't seen it. It's also been a while since I've seen Dunkirk. I think yeah, all Dunkirk. Yeah, I but, I think my favorite part would just be that constant sound violin. I agree. Now, but the next movie is oh the next the next crazy. movie deserves a lot and and it's weird. So Get Out nominated by or oh my god directed by Jordan Peele. And now this, and this is the like, I I followed the production of this movie and didn't get the chance, aka didn't see it in theaters because I don't I don't know what I was doing with my life, but yeah, I actually saw this it was, this was at February for the first time. I saw it in like September, um, and loved it. I was watching it in uh, at this one like club meeting um, at one of the buildings here, and the group of people watching it were just like. 
like actually saying get out the whole time. I don't know. It's such it's such like a political thriller. Yeah. Or so, no, no more like a social thriller. It's a it's social, a social thriller. thriller. It's got a social yeah. social commentary. And I I thought this movie was just so smart, and it I just could not get past the idea that Jordan Peele directed it. Like that, that was that was the big from thing. Keen Peele Keen acting Peele and, this. and acting and writing for a like one of the funniest shows ever to. Out of nowhere, just like this movie yeah. that has a very big message. It's range and get out. Watching Get Out was a communal experience. I got the privilege of working in a movie theater. Well, or privilege. It was awful. I was working <laughs> in a movie theater, which is not at all like being a film major. For any of you listening who think, ah, oh, let me just work at AMC theaters. That'll no, no, not no sponsor there. No, no sponsor. sponsor. No we sponsor. just ruined that How, potential. Yeah. <laughs> no spot. Also, Regal, never mind. Um, no, but it's a communal experience because you could hear people, people would have vocal reactions to the film. You would tell by the race of people there would be different reactions to the film. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. that end of the movie when he is strangling the villain and the cop car rolls up. Oh, I, I stopped. I was like, I, I think goodness. I audibly said... I'm pretty sure everyone went, oh no, in the I theater. said, oh no. Yeah. I was like, oh no, you can't do yeah. this thing now. I think it was a great movie to watch because not only was it a stirring indictment of, I mean, racism, but it was also a stirring indictment of... Of modern racism. Of modern racism, modern liberalism, white liberalism, white wokedom, and if watch any... White savior complex. Yeah. I think my favorite thing to come out of the movie has been uh, how many memes there's been. So it's been the, the grandpa running... That was amazing. I and remember then, uh, that that hit that hit Twitter like a truck. And then also the uh, the dad of the girlfriend and how you just like attach really quotes, just like funny quotes, like you know I would have voted for Obama three times if I could have, yeah. and like things like that. And mm-hmm. no, but get out, get out. I think is super super important. The especially writing for in right that now. piece is the just... twists, the twists, like the, and the turns, the beats of the movie are so, like I was, it, it kind of reveals itself to you the whole time and. You know, it's creepy at the beginning if you watch it again. Yeah. But the first time I watched it, which I've only seen it once, actually. I'm lying. But I watched it, and I was like, like, oh, he's, like, dating, whatever. He's going to introduce... And I was like, what's scary about this movie? And yeah. then it started... And I was like, oh, my God. This Adam, is terrifying. It's, it's funny, because for me, as a as a person of color, when, I, when he gets to there, and it's all, all the, like, old, rich, white people, mm-hmm. and then there's, like, the two... The two black people that are there that are the help, my instincts immediately go, uh-uh, something's not right. Like, yeah. th- th- this isn't right. Something's not yeah, good. Yeah, there's a little cute. I mean, I'm not saying it didn't yeah. get creepy in like, but, the very beginning. But, but like, there's definitely a sense of, like, what's wrong with when this? When the plot like, reveals itself, off. when the plot reveals itself, you're like... But it also oh gets, like, God. as no more... Allies. As more things get revealed, it gets more and more intense. So you start, like, mm-hmm. it kind of builds up. But as it starts to reveal itself, that's also when things start to get real and mm-hmm. it's just like like you guys have both said it's a very communal experience because it is a thriller and what excites me is that jordan peele said he wants to keep doing movies like this he's he's tied to do um the twilight, twilight zone, zone for, for cbs yeah, but they're putting is, it on streaming which i think is that's, that's kind of unfair bringing back that franchise with with him like with this movie yeah. i think he definitely showed that he has the potential to pull that off oh like, yeah and that zone. you know there was definitely a lot of buzz because um, for a general audience, uh, Get Out was one of the favorites, and everyone like mm-hmm. thought 
that it should everyone thought it wasn't going to get nominated but it should have but it has been nominated which is a huge statement and apparently Mm -hmm. there's a little bit of controversy because apparently a lot of members of the academy have not actually seen get out to this day because they don't think it's quote oscar worthy which in a way is like it's not an academy film. It's a, it's a th- it's a social commentary thriller I don't about modern day. I don't day. understand how you can be like a professional in yeah. the movie industry and have take a movie it. by its cover. Like yeah, and I think it's I think it's interesting like. because we all know the academy is predominantly older white males. So it's yeah. very interesting that the one movie that kind of is like not for mm-hmm. old white men, mm-hmm. especially is after the one the, they have after the seen. boycott a few years ago too. Yeah, yeah. Like the boycott something like that. But I think I think we can all agree that I, I haven't I've been thinking a lot about the directing category this year and how even Spielberg didn't get nominated for the post. Yep. And I think that Jordan Peele, like directing is all about vision for your project. And, you know, this was a passion project for Jordan Peele, and I think that um I think honestly he does have potential to pull that category off. That'd be a I, I think it'd be a huge upset. Like, he's definitely qualified. He's definitely proven his stuff. But as a first-time director against the competition I mean, he's in... Well, let's... we've got to... If we're going to talk first-time directors, I mean, there's the segue. Yep. Yeah. There's the segue. L- segue. my favorite yeah. film of the year. I... Yeah. Lady yeah. Bird. What probably Showing... is also my favorite. Yeah. I mean, for me, growing up, I, I'm from... Maybe we should all say where we're from real quick. I'm yes. from Louisville, Kentucky. I'm tape, if, my voice, if you don't know it yet. I'm Riley. Um, okay. You'll get sick of this voice real quick. And I'm from just north of Boston, Massachusetts. But he will always just say Boston to I make it easier. I will always say Boston. Uh, Boston. And once again, I'm Tyler. And I'm about like two hours from Riley South. I'm from Milford, Connecticut, which is just the little panhandle strip of Connecticut. So New England represent, 203 represent. There's nothing to represent. So we are... None of us are from Sacramento. Yeah. But no. for me... Watching this movie, not knowing much about it, just hearing that it was amazing and I had to see it, I watched it and it was one of the most relatable films I've ever seen because Very. I grew up, I went to, for in high school I went to a Xavier and Brothers all boys Catholic high yep. school yep. that paired up with, I did drama too, yeah. musicals mm-hmm. that paired up with, uh, like the girls all Catholic girls schools yeah. whatever, and one of which was called Sacred Heart. And in wow. the movie, there, I it was it was crazy. So in the movie, the high school is Sacred Heart. Um, I think that's the boys' high school actually. Yeah, I, don't, I, believe, I, don't remember, I believe it is. And and that movie just all the plot points were just and all the relationship stuff. And I was yeah. just like, what is happening? Like, is... This is also the girl I saw it with here at Elon, my friend from home. Uh, shout out to Claire if you're listening. Claire Babby um, goes to Elon as well. I was sitting next to her in the movie, and she goes during the monologue part where all the kids are giving off their monologues and singing, she goes, wait a minute, I auditioned for this movie. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? Wait, what? And, yeah. How do I was, you forget I was, that? I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, I remember reading this scene. Like, I, I definitely auditioned That's for this. Fantastic. And I was like, all right. So, like, the whole movie, I was just thinking about how I was Your sitting next to almost, a, yeah. an almost actress. An almost now, actress. Now business major. But I... So, about the movie itself... It's relatable, I think, it's to our age range. range. That, that's oh. what I was going to say. Is By the way, we're first years in, in yeah, college. Which means freshmen, to those of you yeah, not in not Elon, Elon no, University. Not like the two like, schools in the world that use it. Um, would, uh, to, just to go off that experience of watching it for the first time, because I think that is such a powerful thing. I also 
went to a religious school that it was Protestant, um, so a little different. I've never heard of a religious Protestant school, especially in the Northeast. I've got a lot of stories. Yeah. But um, 11 kids in my class. Oh, wow, that's uh, horrible. Anyways, <laughs> um, so the level to which I related to the film was I, watching it, I think you realize at our age, you watch it and you see Saoirse Ronan's character, Lady Bird, or Christine as she comes to be known as, and you realize that it's you, and you realize that the parents are your parents, and you realize that... Like, you maybe were a little bit selfish. Like, I yeah. I sat through the credits, crying, drove home, hugged my father. That's... And I'm not even... Like, we can talk, and I think we have to talk about the level of the way this empowered females, but also just, like, as a human being, this movie showed me something. It showed a mirror in a way that most movies fail yeah, to do. Yeah, especially because of, like, where we are in our lives. Mm-hmm. And I saw I saw this movie also with a friend. I saw it with my best friend. Shout out to you, Chloe B. Um, and seeing this movie, I think seeing this movie at like this part of my life was very important because I was very much like Lady Bird in terms of like I want to leave home. I don't want to be home. I don't want to be around people from home. Not because I hated my home, but just because I just didn't want to be there yeah. anymore. Um, I laughed when she said, I want to be somewhere with culture like Connecticut. And I was like, oh, honey, there is no culture in Connecticut. (laughs) Um, But it just felt, I just felt myself there. And walking at like, that movie was extremely emotional for me. I I didn't cry. Um, I cried at Coco three times. But I didn't cry during (laughs) Lady Bird. But I had that same feeling. I think I teared up. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't cry during a lot of movies. Like. I, I cried during Jurassic World uh, when the music dropped yeah. and the yeah. and the gates opened. Just in a, like a slap in the face with nostalgia. Also cried during The Force Awakens when the first practical effect that wasn't CGI it was like a yeah. puppet bird picking at trash. I was yeah, just yeah, like, I oh love my that god! Thing. Like this. But yeah. I, I cry yeah. each day. But when a movie can make me cry, <laughs> it's something special. I have um, on my computer, and the guys here can attest because I have it up right now i literally have a screenshot of the hug yeah oh yes i think that's i think that's the part that made me tear up when her first when her first boyfriend comes out or well that if that's coming out (laughs) um no when she discovers her first boyfriend's gay and we go a few scenes which i love the fact that we didn't immediately go to the consequences of it and then it just cuts he goes in the cafe that was great he runs out she talks with him, and they just hug. That broke me. Watching that with some of my friends back home broke me. I just, it was such a powerful scene, and then you have that juxtaposed in the next scene with the mother and the priest doing the same exact thing, showing generations caring for each other. Greta Gerwig, if you're listening, I love you a lot. That's Please. the director. By That's the, the director. Writer, writer, director. Amazing. writer and director. First time director. Went to Barnard College. Was in Francis Ha, wrote with Miller Bombach. Stalker alert. I'm Riley in love a, with you, Greta Gerwig. So, I was listening to your podcast earlier, I and think, I love you. I think the other thing that really brought Lady Bird to such a high level was just the relationship between Lady Bird and her mother. That's, and that's I think that's movie. something that could only be done with two actresses that could really do that well. Mm-hmm. So obviously, And Lady with Bird, a female director and writer, right. of course. So obviously with Lady Bird, played by Saoirse Ronan, who has the cutest accent ever. We so love you so, so nice. much, Saoirse. But Please also come on the show. With, um, prior to twice. But twice. with the... Um, 
with who played her mother, um, Lori Metcalf. Metcalf. I think like that's really what also elevates the movie because if you don't have that same quality in between the mother and the daughter, there's something missing from it. And mm -hmm. even though like you know, it doesn't really seem like it on the surface, this is a movie really about a girl's relationship with her mother mm -hmm. or just a child's relationship with her with their parent and just it just it hits so close to home on so many levels but through and, very different it me situations back. it drew me back too i don't see a lot of movies more than once in theaters yeah yeah um now that i have movie pass if you don't know what it is look oh, it up it saves you a lot of money um not sponsored I, I don't know how podcasts work really, yet no so one I, is sponsoring yeah. no one's sponsored. to be clear just, if we're, you we're, think we're getting money for this you're you wrong. sorely mistaken. We're, we're sorely freelance mistaken. podcasters. <laughs> but I this movie drew me back, and you know most of the movies I see more than once are either like Star Wars, uh, most Marvel movies I'll see two, maybe even three times if it's like Doctor Strange. Um, I love that one. That's it. I, I don't know. Anyway, this I saw it twice. I think I saw it twice in the same weekend and just enjoyed it even more the second time. Mm -hmm. And it was just... Just the relatability for me. Yeah. Every character one. in this movie could have a movie about them that is rich. And well, that, I, that's, that is crazy. That's something that's very interesting because, because Greta Gerwig has come on and said that she would like to explore more of this like Sacramento universe, but not with she, the Lady She's Bird. planning three more Sacramento movies. Which is weird because now if we're getting... She has like, the same characters in it. Greta, we're getting divorced. <laughs> I, something you will quickly discover about me, podcast, or audience. Do I call you audience or podcast? We'll call you audience. Something you'll quickly Listeners. discover about me is that when I hear the word movie universe, <laughs> I instantly want to throw up. And this, I differ with my fellow podcasters on this, but I think one and done, I'm, I'm for a Call Me By Your Name sequel. I'm not for a Lady Bird sequel. I'm not, I don't know how I feel about a Sacramento I think cinematic she, I think it's universe. It, 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 it would be with different if characters. If it's different characters, then it's just an ode to her hometown. That's she's trying to beautiful, and I love you, yeah. Greta. But um, anyway, that's we we gotta like work on our I know. on our we could timing. We could it's talk like forever about forty seconds on Darkest movies. Hour, about ten minutes on Lady Bird. Um, the next movie, I honestly, I don't think we're all uh, we've all seen this one, uh, Phantom Thread, with Daniel Day Lewis. The name slapped on that movie. Do you need to go see it? the greatest actor of our generation yeah. in his last movie. So wait, have you all seen it? No. I have not no. seen it. I know okay. Paul Thomas Anderson's work, but I don't know. It's, really yeah. I've heard it's Good weird. Movie. It, okay, this was one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen, and it was kind of boring the whole time, and then, this is a spoilers podcast. That includes it for you guys, oh, too. Oh, no. But this movie hits you like a train at the end. Its twist is nuts. I was like... I literally, it was me and two of my friends, and there was a, like, older couple, a couple rows in front of us, and the, it was just the five of us in the theater, and we were watching it, you know, it, it seems totally normal, and it's kind of this little tense moment, and you're, like, trying to figure out what each character knows, and then, basically, there's this whole plot about poisonous mushrooms, and how the, the wife, the younger girl, who does get married to him throughout the movie, um poisons his food so that she can take care of him and throughout that process he realizes that he likes to get taken care of he's like a mom he's like a mama's boy right and he like when he hallucinates when he gets poisoned by the mushrooms he sees his mother and it's like the creepiest thing it was so scary you like, got to wonder up. what happened to paul thomas anderson to make this film yeah and and so at the end 
he watches her. He watches her chop up the mushrooms and put it in an omelet. And you're like, oh, he knows he's gonna get poisoned. He's gonna make her eat it. That's what I was thinking. And then she feeds it to him. He takes a bite while staring her in the eyes, and he says, "Kiss me, my love, before I get sick." And I screamed in the in the theater. I was like, "Oh my god!" It's like a fetish thing. I was like, freaking out. This the the, the writing in the movie was great. The yeah. acting in the movie was great. Cinematography was great. The plot was a little boring. I gotta say, which is but why it was, I was cool. Like, it was, yeah. When I saw this trailer, oh my god, and I heard, I so and I heard like, oh, this is Daniel Day Last Lewis's. This is Daniel Day Lewis's last film. Wow, Daniel that's a Last-Lewis. tongue twister. And um, I was kind of confused when I saw this trailer because I was like, this is not what Daniel Day Lewis has really done before. This doesn't really because he's very big on like character performances. I still remember when I saw Lincoln. Uh, Lincoln, which I think a lot of people don't bring up as much. He's amazing in that film. I was surprised when I saw he was doing this. Mm -hmm. And he's an establishment actor. He's worked with Paul Thomas Anderson before. Yeah. And I think that was the the whole idea. It's that director-actorship. Yeah. Yeah. Which, if we're going to talk about those, another perfect segue. I'm a big fan of segues. Podcast. Oh. Um, Yeah, that was a good segue. Spielberg, Hank Streep, the trio that... The we want to be sick of, like, but we'll never be sick the of. The Academy is like, like what? What more people uh, could you get into post, a room for the Academy to love? I saw the, a list. Uh, I saw a list recently on the internet that listed Tom Hanks as the best actor of all time. That's bold. And I that's don't. Bold. I honestly like. I don't know. Here's I what I think about the Post. If the Post had came come out three years ago, I would be saying this movie should have won Best Picture. It came out now though. And I feel... It feels like Beatty to me. It's, it feels, all, it's, all, all it is is Oscar bait. It's about something that's currently relevant, but also historical. It's got Spielberg, it's got Streep, it's got Hanks. It's got Michael Stahlberg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Who but, must have had a great... I mean, ba- Beatty is fine. In, like, it's Oscar season. What do you expect? Like, yeah, there's always movies are going to come out that are, that are going to be like, please give me an Oscar because we made it to, for you to give us Oscar nominations. You know? Like, yeah. And, and this movie was... Was very I, I thought that I was interested the whole time because I thought the story was important. I thought the story was interesting. The performances were really good, um, but there was nothing in this movie that was like th- shouting, "This is Steven Spielberg in my face." Yeah, no, it wasn't yeah. very obviously Spielberg. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. They didn't throw around Hanks and Streep in a way that was unnecessary. But I don't know. I feel as if. There's so much money poured into the making of a film. And, and there's so many stories that we can tell from so many different perspectives. That Was this the one we wanted to do? And I think this one is just like, you know, when you said if this movie had come out three years ago, it would have won. When you look at The Post and a movie like The Post and you look at all the other movies, it sticks out like a sore thumb because of how just kind of plain oh, and safe it is. It's safe. Safe is the word. You're playing to an audience that already obviously gets... Media politicians are not getting along right now. That you're not speaking truth to any power. You're just observing something. You're preaching to the choir. Yes, exactly. You're preaching to the choir. Um, You know what movie didn't preach to the choir? You know what movie was very weird, but I loved The Shape of Water. The Shape of Water, otherwise known as Grinding Nemo. I've got. (laughs) I've got a few (laughs) thoughts on this film, but I think the best one is I didn't understand it for a really long time. Like I didn't understand why make this story. And then I woke up up in the middle of the night and went, 
I'm a monster. And then I went, that's what they think all the time. <laughs> Guillermo del Toro, like, pray for Guillermo del Toro, people, because he believes he is a monster. But a monster capable of love. Aww. Oh. I liked eggs. This movie was... It was really... really I, I was... When I saw the, the trailer, I was like, alright, this looks cool. I did not say... All right, this is going to be nominated for Best Picture. This is going to be nominated for Best Picture. This is going to be nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay. I think Guillermo del Toro has been doing a lot of really cool work over the years, and he's been, he's like, real big monster guy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He's got Pacific Rim, two Hellboy movies. I think he did both Blade, the first two Blade movies, too, so that's vampire stuff. He, and then Pan's Labyrinth, Labyrinth. which was, was a really good movie, but mostly. He's been sticking to comic book or kaiju, that's like Japanese giant monster monster movies. And I think this is where he really hit his soft spot. He decided that whatever message he's been trying to subtly put into all his movies, he decided to just come out and write his own movie about it. And I think that, I mean, he's very passionate about this movie. I watched it and it's like you can feel, it's like you can feel the passion from this movie, from the art from the acting, from the creativity of having somebody who doesn't fit into society yeah. fall in love with something that just by looking at it does not fit into society. Which, and which is such out like of a, context. It's, out of context. This and movie typic- is weird. And typically like, that's yeah. such like a bland story to go through. But there's so much about this. It's so charming and mm-hmm. whimsical and weird. Like I remember like there's this whole subplot of where one of the guys that works for the agency, his wife has some really weird, like, kink fetish thing that's, like, explained, but it's, like, never brought up again. But that's, but it's, like, it's, what it yeah. is. It's, I it's feel the so. musical number that just pops up out yeah, of nowhere, that was, which that was one thing. some people hated. I don't care. I loved that. That was amazing. It was so much fun to watch. I feel like you've yeah. got to look at this movie with Darren Aravonsky's mother and wonder i think it's a great i think that'd be a great study simply because they're both pieces that take deep metaphor and decide movies are a storytelling format in which we can explore deep meanings without being literal but mother was too literal was a flop in many ways oh yeah misunderstood mother was divisive shape of water well Misunderstood, sure. Well, not even misunderstood. We all. But like, it wanted to be like. It it asked it knew it you was. to ask. It yeah. was like it was a very. It's like it exists as a plot during the Cold War, but it also exists as a, a pretty obvious metaphor that's not that hard to understand. Yeah, if it you took out about the pretension. That's the difference. Is pretension between I think so. Like too. it didn't want to lose its charm. It humbles its itself. It, it, it brings to itself to you as opposed to Aronofsky who asks you to join him at a level that you don't want to go to. And it's yeah. such a pretty movie. Like, from its set design, yeah, the to the art, way it's yeah. shot, to the music. Right. Production it's a design very pretty is movie. Shape of Water's award yeah. list. But Shape of Water, I... Speaking... For me, oh, for me it's either this or Lady Bird for Best Picture. But the next one, I would say, I is say, also a favorite. I was going to say, uh, design... You know what else are designed? Uh, billboards are designed. Yeah, oh my God, I, I set up that. that transition for you so much. I know, easier. but it's it was, just, like, it was a bad transition, so whatever. All but right. this, I'm gonna come out straight and say it. This is my favorite for best picture okay. of the year. Um, it's we a lot we don't of we're not we're not a hive mind here. We do disagree on some things, 
Um, I think at the end we should all say what we think For sure. is yeah, going to sure. be the best picture. But I think Three Billboards was just like the ensemble, not like the cast ensemble, but the ensemble of everything was so strong in this movie. Yeah, no, I feel there was a there was a comment said earlier that is one of the few I will disagree with. The few should have should be taken in quotations. Haven't you haven't you been the only one that said I'm going to disagree with this? But I am I'm a big fan of disagreement. I felt well, someone said that the cast carried three billboards. I think the cast is a superb job, but I believe Martin McDonough was snubbed for not getting a best director nod nod because I thought it was wonderfully directed mm -hmm. with a dark, sick humor. Very. You gotta look at that scene where Sam Rockwell's character is reading the note from the police chief who has killed himself and listening to music. Oh, yeah. And there's Molotov cocktails being thrown around him and it's so peacefully disturbing. Yep. It was that, when I watched that, I was like, that's it. And there's parts of this movie that are absolute garbage. Not absolute garbage. That deer, <laughs> though. The deer. What was yeah, the deal the with the deer? deer. Oh, the deer. I thought the that deer. was a bit too The really forced. bad CGI the deer. The worst CGI yeah. I've ever seen in an Oscar-nominated film. But at the same time, the performances were great. The writing was great. I think the directing was great. Sam Rockwell's role did not seem big to me at first. I didn't know anything about this mm -hmm. when I went and saw it. I was just like, it's getting traction, I'm going to see it. Yeah. And yeah. I saw this movie and I was like, oh my god. That is Justin Hammer from Iron Man 2. <laughs> and that is all I could see. And what then he... Why is he, Justin Hammer a racist? He turned himself into this character. I think, personally, I think Sam Rockwell's character development... I've, I've tried to have this conversation with so many people, and it doesn't really get across. I think the character development for his character was so, one of the best character developments I've ever seen. It's been very divisive. It's just, it's just because he... A lot of people are like, oh, he was racist... And he was, like, mean. He threw a guy out of a second-story building window and, and, like, beat the that crap out of him. Yeah, that was insane. But I saw that part, and, and like, I, I, I'm not saying that he became a good guy by saying he had great character development. Mm -hmm. I just, I, like, he went from not giving a shit about his job to, like, getting fired. To taking it to seriously. To taking it yeah. to, like, getting beat up in a bar just to get some skin fragments to do a DNA what, test. What a like, great, what like, a great just, piece of writing. Like, very, you, you could see that, you thought he was like the, you know, the, the town idiot. Yeah. And then he was actually very smart, like, towards when the end. Like, when he was be. like, yeah, right? when he needed to be. And I think that's something that's revealed about his character. But that was, that was the highlight yeah. of this movie for I, me. I, I and think, was like, his performance. staying on that character arc, for me personally, like, I... For some people, it's very well done. I disagree with it because of just my stances and just the way it's treated. But also at the same time, the weird thing about this movie is that like everyone is just just pretty unlikable. Mm, I was that was the yeah. point I was gonna bring out. The Besides Protestant Peter Dinklage, the, who I forgot was in the, the movie. Protestant school in me loves the fact that every character is. Flawed. Very. These are flawed people. I mean, what's the last beautiful. thing Francis McDormand says to her daughter? Good, I hope you get kidnapped and oh, raped. Oh my God. I cringed. I cringed so hard. I was like, I, I But it was so the, that's the dark comedy of it. That's the darkest comedy you can go. I just you went there. Peter Dinklage's character for me, like that dinner scene where um, yeah. her ex-husband is with scene. the like younger girl and she's like really dumb and stuff mm -hmm. and then he, he like she goes over and talks to him and then she like blows off Peter Dinklage and then he's like, this is why no one likes you. 
or something. Yeah, he yeah. turns yeah. it around. He's like, you, and then yeah, I'm not. You're not doing this because you pity me. I pity you. Yeah. And then I just thought that was like. They didn't close off his character after that. That yeah. was it. He I was just there he was to tell the that movie. message. That was the only. The, after I, seeing that, I scene, just I love like, that. Okay, scene. He, he came back and I was like, "Oh, hey, Peter. Glad to glad to see you're back. Welcome, welcome back. Welcome Alrighty. back. Our time is running long. Yes. I feel as if we should probably each give a defense for what we think should win Best Picture. Okay. So Tyler. So start. are we doing this? Which do we think will win, or which do we think should should win? Should, should win is what should important. win. If I called all the shots in the Academy. Lady Bird would win. I think that Three Billboards has, like, a great cast, great writing, a great idea for a plot. Like, it's just very... I just... I thought that everything came together very well. I also knew nothing about this movie going into it, and it just blew me away, and I just... I It was the only one of these, maybe besides Lady Bird, that I legitimately didn't want it to end. Like, at the end, I was like, ah, oh, keep going. Like, mm. And that doesn't happen a lot with me with movies, so I, I just think this one hit me on a on a different level. Mm -hmm. So I am in deep, passionate love with Lady Bird and Get Out. But sadly, or not sadly, I do think that Call Me By Your Name should win Best Picture, and I know it won't because it's another gay film and because the Academy is scared of all the gay people. <laughs> But, uh, that's a different podcast. I, I think... Um, but I think it was the most beautifully shot. I think it was the most beautifully written. I think it was the most beautifully acted. But if Lady Bird wins, I'm happy, because Timothee Chalamet was in that, too. Yep, he was. Because he's fantastic. And Michael Stahlberg was in, like, three of these. Whatever happens, the cast of Call Me By Your Name will be happy. And I think the thing about what's so great about this year's Oscars is that we talk about our picks to win Best Picture, but each of those movies could win other awards besides mm -hmm. Best yes. Picture. Each of those movies could win something like original screenplay, could have multiple people that win acting awards and directing awards. And I think, like, I, in looking at the nominated list of films just across the board, there's a lot of categories where I say, ooh, I... There's like two or three movies that should win. Like original yeah, like, screenplay uh, this year like, is Like uh, Boss Baby for animation. I oh, mean, Boss Baby. Easy win. Me? Yeah. I mean, easy Coco made right me cry three times because of its multiple layers of representation. But Boss Baby but changed the person. person. Yeah. But I do Alec feel... Baldwin? Do, I have a... I, I, I think we should point out, do you think there are any snubs across the board of all categories that you really think... The Big Six should be nominated for Best Picture. The f uh, that movie was incredible. The Big the Sick was the best comedy... I've ever seen. The I think Florida I, Project, Florida I say, Project. Mm -hmm. should be nominated for Best Picture, but it's nominated for a lot of other stuff. I think um, Good Time with Robert Pattinson should have, should have gotten a lot more recognition because I saw that movie and it, oh boy, oh boy. All the money in the world, just because of Ridley Scott's grind for that movie to replace, to Kevin, replace Spacey Kevin Spacey in, what, two weeks? Two weeks. Something like two with weeks. With a new actor who is nominated for Best Supporting Actor. I, I just think, is Ridley Scott nominated for that? No. no. That is insane. He that is, is insane. 80 years old, and that man He's said he, he did it without oh, breaking goodness. a sweat. He said it was easy. Well, you know what I like, say. The grind, insane. the grind truly never stops. The grind never stops, never stops in terms of Ridley Scott. I mean, yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know. That's, anyway. They're actually going to play so that on this tombstone. Almost the grind doesn't stop. An a great thought to think of at the end of this is I think that though the Best Picture nominees are very diverse and like in the type of movie that they are and very divisive in some senses because it's establishment versus fringe. I think the best way to describe all of them is 
empowering. Yes. They all bring out voices that we had yet to hear, and they all highlight something that's important for us and make us want to live a better version of our lives. And I think, I think we're seeing a, I think we're seeing a kind of changing of the guard I in too. cinema. There's a lot of, to that. there's a lot of people that are nominated like Greta Gerwig, like Jordan Peele, um, like the boss baby mm-hmm. that are just like, mm-hmm. it's a lot of first timers. There's a lot of people that haven't gotten its recognition and it's exciting because for since I'd say like late mid nineties, we've seen kind of the same names pop up. There's no better way to symbolize it than Daniel Day-Lewis being nominated in his last Oscar film and not being the favorite. He's won every time he's been nominated, and he's not the favorite this time. That's a whole other divisive category. And I think that's that's like a whole metaphor for the fact that we're seeing a changing of the guard in so many ways. Especially this year. I mean, with the whole movement going on and all the allegations coming out about some of our favorite actors Mm -hmm. that we had no idea what was going on. I think it's just like... There's another level to Hollywood, and I think it's time. Yeah, a new world's coming. Yeah, a new order. I think this is a good place to stop our podcast episode one. Absolutely, this was only pilot. Spoilers only, please. Thank you for sitting through all fifty-seven minutes of this. Yeah, we were aiming for forty. Looks like we can talk. Just keep in mind that normally. We will not be. This is a loaded podcast, so it se- if it seemed a little convoluted, that's because it definitely, most likely, was. Uh, but we will normally be focusing on one movie that we all see together with a potential guest 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 character. We have surprise, some friends, uh, some DLC DLC friends, downloadable content for, downloadable for you non gamers. I mean, technically, it is. It's a podcast. Yeah. Um, so uh, we are going to. End this spoilers only please episode here, and we will see you on the next episode. Flip side. All uh, right. Don't know how to end the, a podcast. Go yeah, I don't know that. how to end a podcast. Goodbye. All right. See you. Hope you guys enjoy.